So I said to Big Hair, why don't we take this supercars in review thing and go one more step and rate the drivers? To which he said, how? Well, here's how, Nev. It would be simple if we only had to measure one race, but we can't do that since most supercar weekends have more than one race. And this year, it's also been a battle of tie life. So we have to look at the whole weekend as one picture, and that means one great race can be spoiled by poor effort in another. We also take into account the relative position of each team against the other. And that means that we're not saying Team Sydney is going to be Red Bull Racing Australia. So, how does it work? 10-point weekend would be perfect. Great race craft, a sensational implementation of strategy and scoring the best results possible for that car and that team. A 9 or 8 is a very good weekend, barely putting a foot wrong on the way to good points haul, but little spots for improvement. 7 and 6 points is around a pass score, we think, with a few mistakes dragging the score down. 5 and below, there's room for improvement. And that is how the Supercars in Review ratings works. Welcome, everybody, to our driver ratings for the first round or first leg of the bend. I'm joined by Andrew Clark. How are you going, Clarky? Hey, Nev, not too bad today. I'm just thinking how many people lost points because of indiscretions over the weekend. So uh, a few people sticking their noses in holes that weren't there and um, locking up brakes here and there and topping people off. So, uh, yeah, there's been some punishment this week. <laughs> well, first of all, before I get to the, uh, the ratings... I'm going to touch on some big news that come out just before we record, and that is that supercars have signed the new television deal. Pretty exciting, actually. Yeah, they have. It's back to Channel 7, which is interesting. So Barretts was out there um, spruiking it up, which is a good thing, and James Warburton, the ex-CEO of uh, Supercars as well. So both of them out there talking. Not a bad thing. I mean, so what are they talking, $200 million deal? So it's slightly down on the last major deal that supercars ran but um not sure it's what they expected i think you know a couple of years ago they would have been expecting to see growth in the dollars and cents of it all but clearly the two things that have affected them i mean the covid stuff's had a massive impact on everybody's ability to spend money i mean channel seven couldn't afford to pay for the big bash league that they'd won the contract for and had to hand it back to cricket australia so um you know which is interesting that that they've done that, they've still got the supercars coming in. So they've looked at their revenue streams and so forth. The difference there, of course, is that they have every Big Bash League game. In here, they only have some of the games or some my, of the races. Yeah, my understanding is you've got six races. This is Channel 7. Foxtel's got everything, yeah. right? So if you're on Foxtel, fine, you're covered there. Channel 7 yeah. has six rounds. That includes Bathurst and a couple of others, plus they have a seventh which is the 12-hour. Yeah, which, um, interestingly, Warburton spoke about the Bathurst 500 at the uh, at the launch. So um, I think that's the biggest tip that we've had yet, that uh, that, that is changing. Um, and they're talking, interestingly, which is what I like, is it's not one 500, it's the 250 by 250. So it's the exact same format as the Clipsal or the um, Adelaide 500 race weekend. So I think that's a really exciting innovation. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the supercars up there when they don't have to do that, you know, staging of the race for 800 kilometres because, you know, I don't care what anybody says. All you are worried about in the first 800 kilometres of the Bathurst 1000 is being there. 
not crashing, not getting out of it. So being on the lead lap, being close enough to smell the leader's fumes. Um, two 250-lap races, you don't have that chance. So it's go. Um, and I think it's a great thing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, my big thing is how many people are going to be able to go to the Bathurst, Bathurst event um, at that time of the year because we still don't know how this old COVID thing, I mean, we're just coming up to the Bathurst 1000 for 2020 and they're only allowed 4,000 people in the grandstands, which I think they could have way more people. There's, there's so much room at that track. I'm surprised they're only limited to 4,000, but that's the way it goes. It'll be interesting how many people are going to be able to, are going to, be able to go there and how many people actually do go there. Yeah, I think people will go because they'll be so starved of being at the track that if the uh, doors open up, they're going to be in like a in like Flynn. I think is the old expression. Um, but as you say, who knows? I mean, we just have no idea where the world's going to be in four or five months' time. I mean, half the time we don't even know where it's going to be next week. So very much the unknown. Hopefully they're allowed to have a crowd. And if they do get a crowd, I think it's going to be a pretty good one. So um, I'll certainly be there. I wouldn't miss that for anything. Oh, well, enough of the waffle. Let's get into the driver ratings. First up, Team Sydney and Chris Pither. You've scored him a six. Yes, I have, haven't I? Um, Chris was just consistent for the weekend. Like, he didn't do anything special. He didn't do anything disastrous. Whereas we've seen some better signs from him to, to say the car's evolving, the car's developing a little bit. And I don't really think we saw much of that on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, six I thought was a was a fair cop. What yeah. 21, 19, 15 for the three races. So, you know, he's about where we expect him. A steady weekend. Steady, yeah. And his teammate, Alex Davison, also scored a six, uh, got a penalty and had a bit of struggle with the car, so it seems. Yeah. See, so he would have had a seven if he hadn't had that um, incident with Macaulay Jones. Um, it's funny, like you look at him, his average 20, 20.0 is his finishing average for the weekend, which is lower than Chris Pithers, yet I've given him a higher rating effectively. So, yeah, I thought he was quite good at times um, and he just suffered. So the 15-second penalty on race 25 was the thing that cost him badly. Otherwise, he would have had a good finish out of that. Okay, Matt Stone Racing, Zane Goddard, he scored a pretty decent seven. Yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think the two the two ones who jump in and out of the car, so Zane Goddard and Jake Kostecki, have got a pretty tough gig, which we've spoken about. So it's really hard for them to get that consistency going. And um, I think that we saw some good signs again from him this weekend. Um, certainly the 16th place on Saturday was one of his best results for the year, which was good. Um, and his qualifying was, yeah, kind of so-so. And I, I, but um, but it was the racing, I thought, that was good for him, um, even though we do have a last-place finish in on the first race of Sunday. But, yeah, uh, his, his race 25, or the Saturday race, he made up eight spots. That was pretty good. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, obviously, we do know that people were penalised during that race weekend. So, But it was only three people who could have dropped behind him, and one of them didn't. So he only made up two spots because of that. So a six-spot gain for a young guy learning his craft in a team where he's not a, a week-in, week-out performer. Uh, I think it was a pretty good effort. So I, I liked what I saw. Okay, next up for Matt Stone Racing is Gary Jacobson. He also scored a seven. Um, he did spend a bit of time in the dirt. I reckon he did almost a whole lap in the dirt. Yes, I think if he, certainly if he combined it over the course of the race, we saw all that. But, yeah, I think he was having a good go, which I like. I want to see them have a go. Not sure how great the car was, so we did see him falling off the track quite a bit. 
Um, he's raced 27, so the last race on Sunday was a pretty good effort. So finishing 13th was nice. And that was an 11-spot gain over qualifying. So, you know, that's really good, um, considering only two people failed to finish. So let's say that's nine spots you've made up on the track. So it was a good good day for him, I thought, that one. Well, next team is uh, Kelly Racing. And Rick Kelly scored a seventh. Do you reckon that's enough considering how much we saw of him on the weekend? Yeah, well, he might have got an eight if he hadn't qualified so badly on the final race on Sunday. But if you've got a decent car, you can't be qualifying 17th. That's the problem. So the other two races, you've qualified inside the top 10 and he's finished in the top 10 in all three races. So 17th is just not good enough in qualifying. But it will was great to see the whole team back in form and it was good to see Rick being competitive and having a bit of fun up the front as well. So um, I'm kind of sitting there thinking, like, if they get a major upgrade coming into Bathurst, those cars are going to be pretty impressive. Well, yeah, a sixth, a sixth and an eighth. He never he wasn't out of the top ten all weekend in regards to race finishes. No, it's good effort. And, then, you know, we talked about this, you know, the 17th in qualifying and race 27, but he's finished eight, so he's had a nine-spot gain during that. So... You know, he's racing well. Um, it was just that one little qualifying blip. Otherwise, he would have got an eight. Well, next for Kelly Racing is uh, the Ned Whiskey driver of Andre Heimgartner. Um, you scored him a nine. Roll. Roll that one. <laughs> I thought Andre was really, really good on the weekend. Um, you know, fourth, second and the seventh. Um, doesn't really sound like a lot, but, um, you know, he was in the, in the wars a little bit with a couple of people trying to do things on him that they shouldn't have been doing. Um, you know, he got tapped by, by Shane Van Gisbergen, um, which caused that whole kerfuffle in the first corner or first lap of the final race. Um, but overall, I thought he was terrific all weekend. And, uh, you know, you could put the same measure on and say 10th in qualifying wasn't good enough on Saturday, but it was still in the top 10. And um, I thought he raced really well. And it was great to see him back at the front of the field and uh, getting that podium was good. I would say it was a sterling weekend and he's only one of two drivers that scored nine. You'll have to figure out the nine when we get to it, folks. Uh, Next up, his team 18 with Mark Winterbottom and uh, didn't have the best weekend. He scored a five. Yeah, he called it a shithouse weekend and we agree. Um, (laughs) And there was was more to it than just um, getting tapped and punted around him. Clearly he was, you know, an innocent victim in in the first lap melee in race in the final race but the other ones he was only 17th and 15th in the two races and he's qualified 19th 15th and 12th so um really rough weekend for him and um he's a better driver than than that um so therefore we knock him down a little bit and the team's been showing such great promise and then also the other factor compare him to his teammate and see where that is and i think he was completely outpointed by scott pie well yes scott pie he's coming with a big eight yeah, good weekend, 7th, 13th and 6th. So he's got a finishing average of 8.7 compared to Frosty's 18.7 in the same car. So really good weekend for him. You know, a bit tempted to um, to have given him 9 and perhaps if he'd got into the, into the top 10 in race 26, he might have got that. But again, it's that qualifying performance. 17th and 20th in two of the races and 9th in the third. He's got to start qualifying better and they've got to find a way to unlock that single lap speed. Otherwise, we're just not going to see how good and where they could get to with that team and that car. Is it just the fact that he may be just trying to conserve his tyres a little bit in qualifying? 
No, I think it's complete frustration for them that they can't work out why they can't unlock the speed. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I'd love to be at the track so I can probe them on that a little bit, but you know, we don't really get that chance. Um, so we're relying a little bit on what we see and hear from other sources at the moment or what we can find when we talk to people. But, yeah, I think they're, 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 they're bemused. They just don't know what's going on. They don't know how to unlock it because it's not just him. It's both Frosty as well. And we know Frosty is one of the best qualifiers we've seen in this sport in the last 10 years. So you know there's an issue when he can't even extract some speed out of it. Well, maybe they're glad you're not at the track because I'm not, I'm not too fond of a bit of probing. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is... Come Beat. on, Neville, you'd love it to be probed. <laughs> oh, stop it. This, this is, is uh, G-rated. <laughs> oh, it's the, no, it's the aliens. <laughs> oh, okay. BGR, Todd Hazelwood. He only scored a six on the weekend. I was hoping you'd do better than that. Yeah, I was too. I was um, thought after last weekend in um, in Townsville that we'd unlocked something in that car that we'd got over the problems, um, but they were all back, weren't they? And um, you know, just didn't look didn't look on the game, didn't look overly excited, even though it's his home race weekend. And um, you know, sixteenth, twelfth, fifteenth in qualifying for twenty fourth, twelfth, and tenth in the races. So you know, not a good weekend. Um, and I think he'd be the first to admit that. Well, Nick Perkett, his teammate, he's also scored a six. He just couldn't seem to get a hold of – he just couldn't keep his tyres on the rears. No, and it's an interesting one here because you talk about the rear tyres, and this is something that I'm very, very um, keen on to, to express, is that if you're blistering your rear tyres, there's two things that do that. One is that they they were running obviously quite a lot of negative camber on the rear to get the grip. But the second part is that the driver's a bit too clumsy with his right foot and he's burning up the, the tyres and, and making them work too hard. So the driver does have the ability to control the amount of blistering, as we saw from Van Gisbergen in the second race. And Van Gisbergen's car was also one of the worst, but he was able to manage it in the second race. And that is what you can do if you qualify okay. So Nick hasn't qualified very well, so he doesn't have the chance to sit back and, and look after the car and look after it. He's got to just go. And clearly the car just didn't cope with it all. And, uh, you know, he struggled a 10th and 9th and 17th for a bloke who's a multiple race winner this year. And in all honesty, um, we have shifted our expectations. I think that I now see him as a front runner, not just as an also ran or somebody trying to find his way there. He is a serious contender now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. His teammate, number three in the 14 BGR outfit, Jack Smith, he also scored a six. Yeah, he was okay, um, just okay. His qualifying is still where he falls down. So he's just got to find a way to understand single lap speed. But remember, young guy, still learning, no dramas. You know, six is okay. It's not a disaster. So, uh, yeah, he's getting there. Well, Macaulay Jones, he scored a seventh. though. He's top scorer of the team. He was, wasn't he? Top 10 effort was really good for him on the Sunday in qualifying, so that was a good effort. But it was his racing, I thought, that stood up okay. And who knows what would have happened if he hadn't been tapped and spun around by Alex Davison. So I think we're starting to see a little bit about why Brad is keeping him in the car. And it's not, you know, we know Brad will get rid of family if he has to. He jumped Andy Jones at one stage, so he's not keeping him purely because of that. But he is learning the category still. And, uh, you know, seven uh, is okay for him. It's an improving effort. Well, it brings us to Walcombe Shore and Andretti United. And first one off the 
well, off the grid, so to speak, is Chaz Mostert. He scored a seven. I would probably put that down to good qualifying but faded in the races. Absolutely. Like the car's clearly got some speed now and it's great to see him get that first pole position for Walkinshaw Andretti United. Good effort. Love that. And, of course, it's not his first pole ever, of course. So let's get that right. He's got 16 poles in total in his career now. So he's a good qualifying machine, this this Chas Mostert bloke. Um, but he qualified first, third and second. So really good effort on speed. But the races, man, could he just chew up those rear tyres? He really needed to learn how to temper his right foot. Um, He dropped out of the top 10 in all three races. So um, I think it was a pretty disappointing race performance from him, but a very good qualifying. So if he'd been able to temper that a little bit and got the race results, um, who knows what was possible for the weekend. And with Chaz, he was one of those drivers that always went down the field during a race. You know, sometimes you see drivers that consistent like that. And for this weekend, Chaz never moved up. He just always went down. Yeah, but it is hard to move up when you're first, third, and second in qualifying. Like, it's not yeah, much room to go stay. there. Try and but, stay there. Know, try and stay there. Yeah, but when you're watching it fall like a you know like a lead sink in the in the ocean, it's not a good feeling. So uh, <laughs> I think they'll um, they'll be scratching their heads this week trying to work out how to get the rear tyres to hold together a bit better. But that said, we have lost that big demanding combination of corners where they're on the full load all the time. Okay, his teammate, Bryce Fullwood, he also scored a seven. Um, I reckon part of that's because of the podium he got. Absolutely. First podium for the young guy, so uh, good effort. So Saturday was a really good day. You know, we jumped 10 spots from our 13th in qualifying to make that that podium position. Thanks a little bit to Scotty McLaughlin's clumsy move on, on um, Lee Holdsworth, but he still got there and he was fourth then, so... Finished fourth, got third on the podium because of that penalty. Sunday, though, you know, wasn't so good. 16th and 19th in the two races. So, you know, we couldn't give him any more than seven, but we probably couldn't give him anything less than seven. So the point score actually just chose itself. Absolutely. Next off the bat is Dave Reynolds. His qualifying was a bit disappointed. He raced okay, but he just didn't seem that comfortable. So he got a a six. I know, it's... um, Probably the story of his season, isn't it, that he just hasn't looked like like he's been in the game, so to speak, not the Dave Reynolds that we know and expect. And so if we just take one little snapshot here, like I had Dave Reynolds rated pre-season as the fourth best driver in the field. Now, on the season ratings, he's 25th. Wow. So he's dropped 16 spots from where I think he should be. So you could argue that he's perhaps a bit lucky to get Six. If, you, if I've rated him as the fourth best driver and car combination in the field and he's sitting down there finishing 13th, 7th and 9th and just not really looking like he's going to do any better than that, um, it's a pretty pretty rough run that he's going through at the moment and I think he has been overtaken as the team number one. Oh, yeah. I mean, Anton, his teammate, he scored an eight and um, he just pretty much outperformed him everywhere on the weekend. Yeah, even in qualifying, although Davey did out-qualify him in the final race when they were 14th and 18th, respectively. So Anton, you know, qualified 6th and 7th in the first two and had an 8th, 5th and a 4th for the for the three races. So he raced pretty well, and uh, I think he was even smiling and very happy with the way it was all going as well. So he enjoyed himself out there, and you could see by the way he was driving that he was enjoying himself. So you know, um, without that bad qualifying on Saturday, on Sunday, he might have even gone up a bit higher than the eight that we gave him. 
Okay, moves us on to Tickford Racing. Um, first up is Lee Holdsworth. He got a six. Why only a six? Well, 12th, 23rd and 11th. You know, they're just not good enough results for a guy with his talent and in a car like that. Um, now, yes, he would have had, probably would have had the podium um, or at least fourth or fifth if McLaughlin hadn't knocked him off. So he would have had a really good result on the sun, Saturday, uh, but he didn't. Not that that punished him too much, but the other two races were just not good enough in a sense. You know, 23rd, you know, clearly you've had some troubles to get down that far. Um, but even the qualifying, ninth, ninth, and 16th. So, you know, I, I want to see a little bit more from him. I want to see a little bit more understanding of the car, and a little bit more understanding of the qualifying speed. Well, James Courtney, his teammate, he's also scored a six. And I reckon part of that was his five second penalty and just, just other mishaps. Yeah, it just wasn't a great weekend for him, I didn't think. There were a few errors. Um, yeah, he got himself into some positions that he didn't need to be in because his qualifying was so poor. Yeah, he admitted that he was the one who made the error on the on the one qualifying run he had for race 26, um, and he ended up last on the grid. And then when you're last on the grid, you know, you're, you're amongst the muck, you're amongst the pain. And he ended up getting to 14th, which isn't too bad. Like, that's a 10-spot gain. But then he's reversed that on the Sunday when he um, didn't finish. Like, his car got killed in that melee um, and he sat there watching. But, again, you know, you're still the kind of slightly the innocent victim, but you're slightly not. You know, you've still got ability to try and avoid those things and, and do it. And, you know, he just didn't. And, uh, you know, he's probably lucky, actually. When, he's, when he fired across the front of the pack sideways, he must have been thinking Phillip Island. <laughs> when um, when Alex Primer went through the window and broke his leg and hip and all those sort of things, so I think he at the end of the day he just got out of that car and he thought, escaped that one. <laughs> True. Uh, next up for in Tickford Racing is Jack LeBrock. He scored a seven. I thought after his podium finish on the first race or the race on Saturday, he would have scored maybe a little higher. Yeah, but Sunday wasn't that good. You know, 10th and 21st in the races and 14th and 11th in qualifying kind of negates a little bit of the two, of second place for the Sunday, Saturday. But um, he's showed that he's a young guy learning. I mean, trying to go around the outside of Van Gisberg and you know it's not going to work. If there's anybody you're not going to go around the outside of, that is the bloke. Um, and he tried to drive around the outside of him and it didn't work and that cost him his second spot to Coulthard, um, ended up passing him again for that. Um, but it was also the earlier one. Like, he did the move on Van Gisbergen, which I thought was really good, and he passed him and took the lead for one corner precisely. Um, and then Van Gisbergen just came up the inside of him, pushed him wide, pushed him into the dirt, which I thought was a bit, you know, if you're giving people racing room, he didn't really give him racing room. He just pushed him wide because that's what he wanted to do. So he, if he'd played his cards right, he could have won that race, and he didn't. So seven. Okay. Brings us to Cameron Waters, and he scored an eight. I know he just keeps on collecting these points, doesn't he? You don't really notice him until you notice him. He's <laughs> like the, the silent assassin. He just kind of sneaks up with a couple of good results. So, you know, fifth, eighth, and fifth were his um, were his race results for the weekend for an average of six point zero, which isn't too bad. The qualifying effort on Saturday was a bit ordinary, eleventh, uh, but he's clearly leading that team at the moment. You know, he, as I say, he's keeping out of trouble. He was pretty good on his tyres um, and doing a good job. So, yeah, eight. 
Okay, that brings us to the last two teams, and the first team up is Red Bull Racing. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, he only scored a six, I think. Is that because he was in the wars a little bit? Well, yeah, <laughs> in the wars. He created some of the wars. That's the problem. <laughs> so um, he's, let's say, so let's look at him. So we take the first race. Um, you're leading the race, but you've cooked your tyres. You decide you're going to be a stubborn little bugger and you're not going to let anybody pass you. So you bunch the field up behind you where you had a gap. So second and third were chasing him and they were close. If you let second and third go, he probably would have still finished third on the podium. Um, I don't think he would have dropped all the way to 10th and then got that bonus point from McLaughlin so to get up to ninth. So I thought that was a bit of an error from the team and a bit of an error from him. I think sometimes you need to work out when you're going to lose spots. Um, and he for five or six laps, he just let the field bunch up um, and it cost him badly. The win on Sunday was really good. Um, that's where he showed that he actually does have the, the intelligence, the motor racing intelligence to do things that other people can't do. He looked after his tyres so well in that race um, and he controlled it. You know, you saw the field was just sitting behind him for the entire race effectively um, until he decided that he had enough grip to go. Um, so that was a really good effort. But then Sunday's second race, I mean, what was he doing with Andre Heimgartner? I just Abs- can't believe that. Absolutely. Although it was exactly the same move that he did on Jack LeBrock. So Jack LeBrock passed him and then Giz was keen to do the switchback. So he was pulling himself to the inside quite quickly and that's when he clipped Andre. Uh, but that was a disastrous effort. Um, and, uh, yeah, he did cop a 15-second penalty for it um, and that cost him points. Um, but it was just a clumsy move from a guy with that much talent. The talent that we saw in race two wouldn't have done that mistake in race three. Oh, well, it's, I don't know whether it's desperation or just hard racing. I kind of, my personally, I like it. I like to see drivers battling out like that. Oh, no, absolutely. There's no doubt at all that he's a hard racer. He, in fact, not just a hard racer. He's the hardest racer in the field, without a doubt. Um, he's got the highest you know, natural motor racing intelligence of any of the guys in the field as well, I think. Um, but then he lets himself down when he just doesn't understand that sometimes you just concede a spot. You are allowed to concede a spot and keep racing. Yeah, well, hard-nosed. Next up, Jamie Wincup. You score him a seven. Yes, I did. Lost the point because of his 15-second penalty after trying to pass McLaughlin and clumsily knocking him off the track, both of them. But um, I almost gave me back the point when he was good enough to stop McLaughlin spinning by driving into his nose to straighten him up. So that was good and bad. Race two, he suffered really badly when the spike wouldn't work and they couldn't lift the car off the ground. So he dropped eight and a half seconds, I think, in that one incident. So we can't blame him for the race two 17th spot. And third spot on the um, final race was pretty good. So, you know, it was an okay weekend. He would have got an 80 if it hadn't been for that 15-second penalty. Oh, okay. Well, that brings us to DJR and Scott McLaughlin. He only scored an eight. He did, and he might have got a nine if he hadn't had that 15-second penalty. So uh, that cost him badly. It was a clumsy move, and I think Lee Holdsworth called it a desperate move, and that's exactly how it appeared. He didn't need to do that. He was sitting in fourth, had a better car than the guy who was in third. He could have passed him at any point in time. He didn't have to do it where he tried to do it. So a bit of an error, you know, and maybe I've been a bit too generous in not dropping him down to seven um, because of that. But, you know, it it was a, a bit of a desperate move when the championship's on the line. But... He's still going for the spots. He's still going for it. He's still racing. He's not thinking, oh, let me just be conservative and I won't do anything wrong here. 
Um, so that's what race one was. It's like I'm a racing driver and I'm racing. Then you got race two where he just meekly jumps out of the way because he doesn't want to get tapped by Van Gisbergen. So we've gone from the race driver to the points scorer who's thinking about the championship. And then he ended up winning the final race. So really good weekend overall, but not as good as it could have been. Absolutely. Well, definitely wasn't as good as his teammate Fabian Coulthard because he scored a nine. That's almost a perfect weekend. And I, to me, I reckon it was just, just these bonds of starts that he had. Yeah, bonds is one way to put it, but they were just unbelievable, weren't they? I mean, he made up ground on every start. And uh, in that second race, when he's pulled to the inside, he probably would have taken the lead if it hadn't been for Van Gisberg and pushing McLaughlin over so far that there was no room left. Um, but, yeah, the starts is what set it up for him. His qualifying was okay, fifth, fourth and fourth. They're okay. They're not first and first and first, but um, which is why he didn't get 10, by the way. But his racing was just um, superb. First, fourth and second over the course of the three races. And importantly, he jumped back into contention. He jumped back into form and he really helped DJR Team Penske with the point score by not being, as Jamie Wincup termed him, the plus one. Today, or that weekend, he was a he was a serious contender. And if you wanted to call him a plus one, you were just kidding yourself. Oh yeah, well he's I think his effort is one of the main reasons why that team's jumped back into the lead on the uh, the team's point score. Oh, absolutely. And if you see if you go through the whole season of my ratings for Fabian, like you know, he's up and down like a yo-yo. He's got some fives, he's got an eight, he's got two nines, you know, so he's all over the place. What I really want to see from him is just week in, week out consistency to say that, you know, A, he's good enough to keep his spot in the team and B if McLaughlin does leave he can actually lead the team as well so um it was good to see him timely performance but let's see how we go over the next two weeks well that brings us to the uh the ratings ladder and um Scott McLaughlin yeah. is still in first position on 70 oh, sorry Scott McLaughlin is still in first position on 67 points Followed by Jamie Wincup in second on 62. I would have thought that he would, you know, that some guys would have got a bit closer to him because of his mishap. Um, but anyway, uh, Jamie Wincup on 62. Third is Nick Perkett on 61. Fourth is Chaz Mostert on 60. Fifth, Cameron Waters on 58. Followed by Shane Van Gisbergen in sixth on 57. Andre Heimgardner is 55. Scott Pye in eighth is also on 55. In ninth, Mark Winterbottom on 54. And in tenth, Fabian Coulthard also on 54. Yeah, which is a good good jump up. So let's take one other look at this as well because when we, when we sat down at the start of the year and said, how do we assess a driver and a car as to where they should be? And so we did a seeding. So we rated each driver and car from from one to 24 and where they sit. So clearly we had Scott McLaughlin at number one and he's still sitting at number one. So he hasn't shifted at all. So what I want to talk about here just before we sign off is a couple of the people who've improved. Um, and the best one of those to me is Nick Perkat, who's jumped from a seating of seventh to fourth. So he's um, jumped right as up to be a there serious is, player. He's actually third. Third, sorry, yes. So, he's jumped, so Nick Perkat has jumped from um, seventh to third on the field. So he's jumped up four spots on his seating, which I think is a pretty impressive effort, um, especially when you're near the pointy end of the grid. So when you're near the pointy end, to jump spots is really good. The other big improver has been Scott Pye, and he's jumped from a seating of 14th to 8th. 
So he's jumped six spots, which is also very impressive. And there's one other who's jumped six, which is Fabian Coulthard, who I only had rated as 16th at the start of the year, and he's now sitting in 10th. So uh, really good effort there as well. So I'm quite impressed by how he's improved, but I still want to see him up in that top, top half dozen. I think that's where he should be with that car. The other side, let's flip the coin, Nev, is that people have dropped. And the biggest drop is Dave Reynolds, as we mentioned before. So he's dropped 16 spots on his seating from 4th to 20th based on these ratings at the moment. Todd Hazelwood has dropped six spots as well. He's gone from 10th to 16th. And James Courtney has gone from 8th to 14th. So they're they're the biggest droppers in the field. Man, there's some big drops, especially Dave Reynolds. Oh, well, that's the way it cookie crumbles, so to speak. Yeah, and when the cookie's crumbling, you drop even further. (laughs) Especially if your tyres start crumbling or or blistering. Time will tell about how this next uh, leg of the Bend doubleheader goes because of the different track. We're all excited about that. So I suppose that's the next thing we're looking forward to. Clarky, thanks for uh, filling us in. Listeners, appreciate your time, and we'll see you for our review after the second leg of the Bend event next week. Thanks, Big Hair. It's been a blast. Oh, 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 oh,